Welcome to the Continuous Delivery Podcast. My name is Zarar. I'm Hino. I'm Chaba. Today, we are going to talk about how to keep the momentum going once the coaches leave. Once the coach is with the team, things to, seem to be going well. There's a little bit of enthusiasm on there, and some practices start picking up, some culture starts changing. But once a coach leaves, some of those things start falling off. And as a coach, your job is ultimately to not have a job and coach yourself out of the out of the team. But how do you make sure that some of the practices or the uh, or, or or the attitudes that you that you brought in or help bring in remain with the team? Well, I oftentimes find that uh, as coaches, we we sometimes make the mistake of coaching towards certain practices to the establishment of, let's say, TDD or have an automated pipeline or automated unit testing, those kinds of things. While that's just a means to an end, the the actual objective should be how do we create an organization that is continuously reinventing itself? How do we create a team that is continuously challenging where they are? And if there is something that they can improve, I don't necessarily think that's where we always arrive. Yeah, and it's it's that's a great point because yeah, I find myself sometimes kind of harping on TDD or better testing, but really the ultimate question is: those are the good practices of today. When tomorrow things change, how does the team become resilient and agile enough to pivot on their own and uh, and 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 find the new practice or change the practice? Like that, that's always a tricky part. How how do you build that muscle? So. I guess the first thing, Chaba, that I would that I would think of is to always give the team the mentality that what's good today is not necessarily what's going to be good tomorrow, and we have to keep our our view open to make sure we're aware of how our context is changing. I, I was thinking, what is the what are those those success factors almost? Like, 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 what do we have to do to to get to that point, right? And then, and then, when you uh, when you're describing this kind of momentum or uh, losing momentum, I, I always think of almost like fatigue to a certain extent in the in the organization, and that fatigue sometimes just comes from the work itself, and then and then the first thing, if if this is not really became like almost like a habit. Of the of those teams that always think about it, then usually what I found those are the first things that kind of kind of go, and because because features have to be built, the software has to be built, like they just became just like zombies and then just just going through the motion and building, and and it it falls away. So for me the question is and asking back you guys is what do we need to do? What can we do to not get to that point? There always seems to be a bit of a spectrum. On one end, you have a team that is continuously inspecting and adapting and pausing and changing and pivoting. And on the other end is a team that's that's a feature factory that will do the most efficient thing to deliver a feature, whether it's sustainable or whether it's healthy long-term, they're focused on their velocity or whatever you want to call it today. And they don't inspect and adapt at all. And they get a lot of near-term gains. The one thing that I see uh, when I look at those two particular environments is that I would expect there to be healthy leadership in one uh, area, and that is the one where they're actually trying to improve and challenging themselves and getting better and so forth. And there is a lack of leadership in the other one, the leadership just pushing for outputs instead of the, the really the uh, the maturity of the team and the, uh, the establishment of a healthy 
continuously improving team. So, um, and this is ultimately where I was kind of getting to, right? How do you instill that? Le- how do you instill that leadership? It's one thing to instill the the knowledge and the uh, and the experience of working with certain practices. It's yet another thing to um, instill the leadership within the squad to challenge where they are, to challenge what they have achieved, and to challenge what is next. All of that requires a specific mindset. Requires challenging the status quo and looking if there is something next that we could do. That really is that leadership that uh, that we need to try to uh, to coach towards, uh, and that doesn't come automatically. Coming from a slightly different angle, and and uh, I'm going to bring a little bit of neuroscience here. It's probably familiar with the book Thinking Fast and Slow, right? So we have these kind of two ways of thinking. One is one is a thinking one, which is kind of like our everyday, almost like a second nature. We can just go about our life and thinking to one. We actually have to elevate and we actually have to make a, a fairly significant brain power and effort to 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 do something. Now that brain now our brain is is by default is lazy. It's trying to exert as little effort as possible. And whenever I look at at um at these two activities, like writing code or building feature or thinking about continuous improvement, I kind of put these into two, two, these two different categories to a, to, to a certain extent. Then it means that the team and each individual in the team has to exert some level of brain power to think about this improvement, to, to mm-hmm. kind of wanting to, to kind of do something about it. Sometimes they need to be a bit nudged to 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 do this to elevate their, their their brain power and kind of kind of think a little bit about this. Whether we accept this or not, I think that's the more the reality, and and that's why sometimes I'm, I'm thinking about the role of the scrum master, for example. And I think a good scrum master could motivate, and I'm using motivate in this sense, could motivate the team to kind of do this extra effort. And because ultimately it's good for the team. And this is what I've seen when the team actually do it, they realize how good is it for them. But it's just very hard to get to that, to get to into that activity, to, to get started. What, what your Scrum Master is doing at that point is coaching the team. That's a, that's a good Scrum Master. And I would love to have all of my teams be able to work with a Scrum Master like that, who is actually coaching the team, who is actually helping them challenge the status quo and moving forward. That's the type of leadership that I'm talking about. But that shouldn't necessarily come from Scrum. If it's with the Scrum Master, that's fine. There's no problem. The team knows how to move forward, challenge the status quo, and figure out ways to improve. If it's not the Scrum Master, it can be someone else. That is the leadership that I'm talking about. I'm not talking about management. I'm talking about intrinsic leadership within the team that we need to install. It it all comes down to inspect and adapt for me is that do we have the muscle to inspect and adapt to something better? There needs to be some sort of a value proposition to the team, some sort of incentive to actually move in that direction. And I think that value prop, that incentive has to arise from the work and the team needs to be smart enough to recognize that this new piece of work that they're starting or this new demand that's being placed on them is not something that can be best satisfied with the pattern that they are currently working with. And there is a better pattern out there. Mm -hmm. How to do that is really to build a muscle to see what's in the market, how can we improve, have a constant ear to new technologies, new ways of working, new tooling. But the underlying principle, I think, is still the same, is, is to recognize that what worked for you yesterday, even though it looks like it's it's your current pattern will solve it, may not be the best approach. And that we have to, Chaba, your favorite word, experiment with something new. And 
unless a scrum master or whoever is able to build that muscle or the team is able to build that muscle somehow, then you're almost destined for mediocrity. Right. You're destined to become a team that used to be great and has hit the the top of the S-curve, if you will. And the only way to go down is down. In order to achieve that self-reflection, if you will, and actually challenging the status quo, you need a true sense of ownership because otherwise that doesn't happen. That true sense of ownership will come with autonomy when you actually are capable of choosing your own practices and so forth. And as long as you feel like somebody else is telling you how you need to work, as long as you have the impression that you are not in control of your own life, you indeed will end up in that mediocre world because you'll have to wait for somebody else to take initiative. You know, this is turning out to be a pretty depressing podcast. Is it? I guess it's making me aware of all the things that they have to overcome, whether it be organizational patterns, inertia, the danger of becoming a feature factory, turnover. There's so many things that are going against a team that it's almost a damn miracle if they actually are a great and improving and, and, and a good scrum team. It's almost like the probability of having a great scrum team is like 5%. Isn't this the general pattern in, in, in the world, in life as well? This, uh, this bell curve, whatever you want to show it, it is a bell curve, right? So, and this, this, is, this is an unfortunate reality. Now, is there any, any chance that the team can recognize themselves? Because they are all working on the, on the same team. Can they see themselves objectively? And, and, we, and th- that's a very, very tough one. Like, unless there is a, there is a somewhat an objective or external uh, uh, view it's it's very very hard, right? Like like I work with so many teams, and and if you would ask them, they would all say, "Well, we are great," and and of course they think that they are great. They they, they are supposed to think they are great, right? The question is, are they better than their former selves? And even that's super difficult. That that's that's also extremely difficult because we have recency bias. We always just remember the most recent events, and and if they were good, then we think that we are great. If they were worse, that we think we are worse. So. So again, so how do we know that we are improving? I think that's the question. And then what else do we have to do? The standard answer to that question, and I think it's very relevant, uh, Chava, but I'm going back to metrics now, right now. We talked in, in, um, uh, in a couple of episodes about which metrics uh, we might find valuable. That's one place to look. Do we are, are we indeed improving all those metrics? Uh, a second one that I would look into is I would also measure the times that we challenge ourselves and actually try something new. And you can easily measure that by uh, by tracking the experiments that you run around your process. Another one might be, uh, well, how many times do we actually change the leadership within the squad? Or um, like, like a scrum master, you mentioned it before, or maybe even a tech lead, how many times do we do this? And does that actually have an impact? Or, or escalations towards the executive management is another one that I that I like to uh, to use as well. How many times do we need the executive management to make changes uh, ourselves? So all of those things are are metrics that help us identify whether or not we're getting better. Those are those are all things that you have to know to look for. I think I have two points at the after having this little discussion, and we got to wrap it up soon. One is that 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 incentive to continuously improve somehow needs to arise from the work and the team needs to be capable enough to know that current pattern does not optimally meet new work. How that happens maybe is a different podcast. The second thing that that, that Chaba said that is that is that kind of struck me is that we need an external mirror 
to be shown to the team to show this is how effective you are. And retrospectives are supposed to do that, be that mm-hmm. tool which, which tell the team this this is how good you are. This is where you can improve. This is the things you can do. But sometimes they get they get stale and they, they don't necessarily work. And I know we've seen we've seen that as well. So what is the best way for a team to get a quote unquote external perspective on them so they get a bit of a reality check? Or is that an anti-pattern, a team requiring an external check? What I've seen teams do, and this is the most uh, uh, typical one, if they are if they are open enough and a new member joins, then they listen to that person and and try to get the, that new members that new members perspective. If the team and the team if the team is really care about that 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 new members feedback, then that that could help the team, like the, getting that that that, that somewhat uh, perspective. Every, anybody else, it's very hard for the team to accept criticism from outside because they are going to say that you guys don't know us. I think that there is a, a soft metric which is which is somewhat measurable is how happy your customers. And uh, some, sometimes you can you can measure it physically, right, by by various tools. But ultimately, and that's why I always say, if just in any shape or form, can your team get that that direct customer feedback one 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 way or one way or the other because that that's going to provide a a pretty good indirect feedback if there would be an easy metric to measure how much you're learning on a regular basis that would be ideal to solve this particular problem have you guys seen comedy roasts where it's like somebody's roast and they sit in a chair and all these comedians come up and just tear this this person apart, just like just jokes. And like, they all sort of have an element of truth to it, but they're really funny and they're mean, but as, as you're laughing because just there's a, there's a slight element of truth in those, in those roasts. I think agile teams should roast themselves. They should have, it's a great idea, you know, in, in, in a retro or whatever you do, just roast the team. Everybody gets up and says something about the team that, Maybe funny, rings to rings true, maybe a little bit mean, but definitely has an element of truth to it. Because I think in those situations, we have a chance to critique the team in an open way while saying things that on, under a normal sailboat retrospective or whatever, you may not say. So maybe a, a comedic element to this is what's needed. Nothing stops you as there are for using that in normal retrospective. As long as you feel like the team is uh, in a position that they can handle that kind of feedback, right? That's always the important piece. Well, listener, if you uh, made it this far, congratulations. <laughs> uh, thank you, Chaba. Thank you, Hino. Uh, if you uh, do enjoy the podcast, check us out on Twitter at uh, Continuous Pod and our LinkedIn group, which is the Continuous Delivery Podcast group. Uh, you can suggest topics and we can take them on here. And other than that, we'll see you again in a week or so. Goodbye.